Speaking of the union, they're supposedly pushing Jackson and on his side and advising him to push for that Watson-like guarantee. Hello there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. We're produced by Brian Neal, musical producer. That music you hear under me is Sam Brandt, my son, music producer out in L.A. And we are presented, as always, by DraftKings. This is a special Brandt's Rants pod because I'll get into a lot of things, of course. I'll talk about uh, the Lamar non-contract. I'll talk about Robert Sarver being suspended for a year from the NBA in the comparison with the Dan Snyder situation. Then a couple personal notes that you're going to hear from me in this rant. One, kind of a fandom personal note, man crush personal note about the retirement of one Roger Federer. And then everyone's asking me my thoughts on Brett Favre and the scandal down in Mississippi. You know, of course, I haven't talked to Brett in years, but um, yeah, I'll comment on it. I'll comment on it for this podcast. I'll get to all that in a minute. First, a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. The wait's over. You know, we're in football right now. It's happened. The official sports betting partner of the NFL, DraftKings Sportsbook, is going to get you ready. For all the action in week two, you bet $5 on any game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Get up to seven, bet on any NFL team of your choice. If your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly. DraftKings, as you know, it's secure, it's safe, reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code ROSS, that's R-O-S-S, all caps. You get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any game. That's code ROSS. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for the details. Okay, time to get in the Brant's rants. And I just mentioned the start. Excuse me. I just mentioned the start of the football season. And it's interesting as I get older, you know, I think a little differently about the start of the season. First on the business side, I've always said this when the season kicks off, that enters the slow time for me. And that's counterintuitive to most people in football. Most people in football, when the games happen, they're on like it's the busy time of year. But in all my careers in the business of football, it's really been this time, September, October, the slowest months of the year for me. It is after the teams are architected, after the teams are assembled, after the business of contracts. And once that's done, well, it's over. You know, now it's the teams are turned over from the front office to the coaches, to the players. The fruits of the labor of the offseason are over. And you go into it, whether I was an agent doing business for players, whether it was the team at the Packers doing business as a team, or whether I now the past 10 years doing this analysis and insight into the business of football, it's kind of a slow time. But in terms of being a fan, it's interesting because as I get older, you know, you guys know me and my fitness and all the other things I do, I'm having a little less appetite for gluing myself to the couch on Sunday afternoon, especially now, as everyone knows, it's really nice outside throughout the country, still warm weather, still a lot to do. I did the other day, you know, I watched uh, the Eagles, Lions, I watched the Packers, Vikings, but, you know, it's like when I joined the Packers, when I first got to the Packers, it was so cool 
to go to games. Oh my God, I'm going to games. I'm with the team. I'm on the traveling party. But, you know, you get there two, three hours before the game. And in my case, I had nothing to do. And you leave whenever the team's ready, which could be two, three hours after the game. And you get home at some crazy hour. And yeah, after a while, I'm like, do I have to go on these trips? <laughs> because I don't do anything on them. Maybe if there's an injury, I get an agent on the phone and get them in, but I can do that from anywhere. So these are the kind of things I think about. Listen, I am hooked on the NFL completely. And then the record viewership for week one is no surprise. The NFL is pumped into our veins. We all know that. It is an incredible uh, spectator sport. And it attracts this country like nothing else in, in sports or entertainment. But I do sort of, you know, I don't know if the word is resentment or tinges of I should be doing something else in sitting and parking myself on the couch Sunday. So I don't know. I'm still a Packer fan, as everyone knows. So I watch the games, but I'll try to sort of temper uh, kind of full on watching games. And again, that does not affect my passion for breaking down the business of football professionally which I still have tremendous passion for, and I do in all my pursuits here on the podcast, writing for Sports Illustrated, doing my newsletter, and of course, my teaching full-time at Villanova University Law School. But it's just an, a, a personal note there. Now, speaking of the business of sports, the last remaining item came up last week. We, the last podcast we had, we had Mark Rogers talking about the Russell Wilson contract negotiation, and I thought, as everyone listening thought, there'd be one more big one, one more big quarterback negotiation before the season started, especially with a deadline of starting of getting this contract done or not before the season starts. And that, of course, was quarterback Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. And I've talked a lot about this. And this is just a postscript now that the deal is not done couple things. The elephant in the room, of course, was the Deshaun Watson deal. It's a full five-year guarantee. No one's done it since. It now is seen in some ways as an outlier. And Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray and Derek Carr were the deals done since in terms of top quarterbacks. They all went to the traditional structure, two to three years guaranteed. The rest on the come. A lot of money, but not a lot of guarantees. Not like an NBA, not like an NF a Major League Baseball deal, and not like Deshaun Watson. So in those cases, the owners, as we heard Mark Rogers when he talked about Russell Wilson and dealing with the Broncos, the owners backed down the agents, basically saying it's an outlier, it's an aberration. We hear this constant phrase outlier from the owners, and they were traditional deals. Now, again, a lot of money, a lot of money. Basically, the guarantees are Carr, $100 million, and Kyler Murray, 105 and Russell Wilson, 124 But... The one without an agent, Lamar Jackson, appears, again, we don't know the inside, appears to have held his ground on wanting the Watson deal to be a precedent, not an outlier, a precedent. And we hear about $133 million offered by the Ravens, and they put out some stuff to make it look like Jackson should have taken the deal, and there are people out there saying he should have taken the deal. Here's the thing. If they offered $133 guarantee, now it was a five-year extension offer, meaning six years, Here's what I would have done if I was representing Jackson. And no, I haven't been asked to help. I'm happy to serve if he calls. I would have said, okay, 133 million. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. And that's it. Three years, 133 million, no franchise tag. That way, 
the Ravens could celebrate not having to go to the five-year guarantee of Watson. It's only a three-year guarantee. That's been done before, Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. Jackson could celebrate that he got a fully guaranteed deal, albeit three years, not five years. But more importantly, he can get to the free agency market again because that's the key. And I don't want to hear about he's going to get hurt, all that. The key is he can get there again because now here's the problem for Jackson. He talks about betting on himself. Well, you can't bet on yourself when management has the ultimate weapon of the franchise tag. The Ravens can and probably will tag him next year. Ironically, the only way they don't tag him is if he gets hurt or he plays horribly, right? Because otherwise, of course, they're going to franchise tag him. They're not going to let him get to the market. Maybe if he plays horribly, maybe if he gets hurt, they don't franchise him, but I don't think so. I think, and, and if he gets to the market, even coming off a bad year, Lamar Jackson's going to make a ton of money, more than he'd make from the Ravens. So this is where the NBA, NFL players are stuck, that franchise tag. And I know people say about the union, hey, it only affects 10 players a year. No, it affects a lot more because it's involved in all these negotiations like this one. It sets a ceiling on the top of the market, the elite of the elite, and this is a problem. And again, one of these things in the CBA, which I think hurts players. Speaking of the union, they're supposedly pushing Jackson and on his side and advising him to push for that Watson-like guarantee. We'll see. They, it's in their best interest, of course, where the Watson deal is not an aberration, not an outlier, but a precedent that people can go from. And I'll leave you with this. So many people, including some of you, ask me, well, why don't NFL players have guaranteed deals like baseball players, like hockey players, and of course, like NBA players? Well, it has to come from two sources. One, the union setting a collective floor as high as possible. I don't think it's high enough. But mainly starting at the top with individual negotiations and getting that full guarantee like Watson did. And don't, if I'm a player agent, don't tell me about Watson being an outlier. I don't care. It's precedent. It's there. And now Jackson becomes the true test case. Is Watson going to be an outlier? And NFL players will go back to the traditional structure and will never hear about full guarantees of over three years again. Or is Lamar Jackson going to press the case and make it happen? Probably not because the Ravens will hold their ground and yell outlier about Watson as they have been. But here's the crux. You know, everyone talks about him not having an agent. Listen, the ones that had agents acceded to the teams with their traditional structure, acceded to the teams yelling that Watson was an aberration. The one that doesn't have an agent, Lamar Jackson, is not acquiescing to that. So I think that's very interesting. So we're left with no deal Remember the show Deal or No Deal? No deal for Lamar Jackson, but he holds his ground. He plays for 23. He'll probably be franchised next year, whatever that's going to be, however many millions of dollars, unless he gets a real deal. And the, the same issue is going to come up again, full guarantee, because it's not going away. And it's up to Jackson or Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert in six months to press the issue. And we'll see what happens. As someone who sort of looks for player rights to change at some point, I hope that Watson does not become this complete aberration and outlier in the player contract business. But so far, it's not looking good, although Lamar Jackson did hold his ground. Okay, the next rant I want to talk about 
is a sad one. This morning, we get a video from the one and only Roger Federer that he's retiring. Man, I love Federer. And I'm sad. As sad as a fan, of course, you know, there are real things to be sad about in life. But this is just as a fan. Love is game. I'm a tennis player, grew up a tennis player. I emulate him. I try to do that backhand. Of course, I can never do anything like that. But it's long and lean. It's graceful. It looks like he's the sort of the perfect model for a one-handed long back backhand. The way he gets prepared earlier, the way he lowers his shoulder and comes through so gracefully. And grace is the real word with Federer. There's just an element of grace there. There's a, there's a you know, style. You know, how many athletes out there have style? The guy's got real style. And I think the best attribute you can say about an athlete, at least for me, was he was stop and stare for me. In other words, if I'm walking by a TV and he's, and he's on, it's over. I'm stopping and I'm staring. If I look at the listings for the sports and I see Federer's playing, no matter who, I'm watching. Of course, if he's playing Nadal or Jokovic, then it's obviously millions of people are doing the same thing. But wow, he's just seemed like such a good person too, humble, approachable. You know, I can see him, they talk about him in this cafe in Basel, Switzerland, kind of doing his thing and people, you know, don't bother him. I know he probably is bothered and, and gets sick of it after a while, but wow. I just love his game. I love his attitude. I love that it seems so normal. I encourage everyone to read that book. I read it over the past year on and off. The Master by Christopher Clary, the New York Times tennis correspondent. It's really good. And Federer is a, you know, it's safe to say I had a man crush. This is someone that I just think is one of those great athletes. And now we lost Serena, not lost in any kind of dramatic sense, but we don't have Serena playing anymore and we won't have Federer. We will still have an incredible men's game. Rafa's still playing. Jokovic is still playing. And we all saw Carlos Alcaraz. Oh, my God, how impressive was he and will he be at 19 years old? Amazing. So the men's fitness is in good hands, but we lose Fed. And I am clearly Team Federer, if you follow Twitter, uh, my friend I was with at ESPN, uh, Adnan Burke, we are both just incredible man crushes on Roger Federer. So I'll watch whatever exhibitions he does in the future. He's not going to play competitive tennis, but he leaves us on the competitive side. And a little bit of a sadness comes from this podcaster about losing Roger, Roger Federer on the competitive tour. What, what a beautiful game he plays. What a beautiful game and what a seemingly a humble and nice man. Okay, more rants in a second. I want to give you a word from Symbol, one of our sponsors. This is a company really re revolutionizing sports betting and fan engagement. It's going to make sports fandom profitable for you. It's Symbol and basically think of it as the stock market for sports. Let you trade pro college teams like stocks. You're in cash dividend payouts when your team wins. Pro Football Focus calls it the perfect blend of sports and stock market, offering a brand new way to invest in your favorite teams and actually profit off their success. You know, I am looking at the Philadelphia Eagles. I invested in my money in the symbol for the Eagles. I just think easy schedule, great offensive and defensive lines. I think there'll be someone that'll make a lot of money on this. Symbol took the thrill of sports betting, combined it with profitability of stock market. You fortune favors the fan right here. 
Download Symbol mobile app for iOS, searching Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L in the App Store. Use promo code BUSINESS. That's my promo code, all caps, BUSINESS, B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S. You get a free team stock value at 150 upon signing up. You can do what I did, use the Eagles. That's code BUSINESS, all caps. Claim your free stock on the Symbol app. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, back to the rants. I want to talk about what happened with the NBA. They have suspended Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver for a year and given him a $10 million fine. A couple of things to say here. This reporting came out of ESPN over a year ago. And what it talked about was using the N word several times, being misogynistic, having this toxic, hostile workplace, just seemed like a terrible place to work. Despite the success of the Phoenix Suns, the NFL looked, I'm sorry, the NBA looked into it. They hired Wachtell Lipton, well-known law firm that they've used for other investigations. And now we have the results. And the result is, as I said, a year and a $10 million fine. It just smacks to me as the exact, not even close, the exact same penalty that the NFL levied on Daniel Snyder and the Washington Commanders. It was July 4th weekend a year ago. It's been like, what is it now, 14 months since this happened. And the NFL imposed a $10 million fine and, a, and being away from the team for a year. It did. It's the exact same thing. Is the behavior the same? Well, we don't have evidence or testimony about N-words with Washington, but clearly the same stuff. Misogynistic, emanating out of the Gruden emails. Uh, sexual harassment. Toxic workplace. All of those things. You could read the Sarver report by the NBA, and you could think this reads like, well, there never was a report. I'll talk about that in a minute. Of the Daniel Snyder Washington football team or Redskins, whatever it was at the time. Two decades of that, of that hostile and uh, sexual and, and toxic worst workplace. Now, Daniel Snyder was allegedly away from the team for a year, his wife running the team, but he was seen at events, which you wonder what's the penalty for that, for sort of violating the owner's suspension. But Sarver gets the same thing. And there are people crying out that it's not enough, that he should have been kicked out, and the Donald Sterling example. But if you remember the Donald Sterling example, a couple differences. One, there was audio. And we know in this day and age, audio and video have magnifying effects compared to non-audio or non-video. Number two, it was complicated because Donald Sterling was also part of a competency hearing where his wife was involved and his wife took ownership because he was ruled to be non-competent, advanced or some stage of dementia. And his wife wanted to sell and did sell in this extraordinary week-long sale period where Oprah and others submitted bids and he sold, she sold to Steve Ballmer, uh, the Microsoft billionaire who bought it for $2 million, $2 billion when the highest sale price at that time was the Milwaukee Bucks for $550 million. 
almost four times the amount he paid. Amazing, amazing. Now, uh, Sterling was kicked out. I remember Mark Cuban talking at the time about the fact that, hey, we got to worry here, slippery slope, and not have our teams taken away from, and what's the precedent? And I think that came back to roost in this situation with Sarver, and frankly with Snyder too. You don't want owners investing in a product, coming in and worrying about skeletons in their closet, bringing a action against them to remove them as owner. And I think that's what's going on here. I think we're beyond that. Now, I know Jerry Richardson with the Carolina Panthers, but he did want to sell and he wanted to have his name held high and didn't want to be stuck in that. So he did sell. And of course, it was the second highest sale ever. First highest at that time to David Tepper for $2.2 billion. All right. So what we have with Sarver is he's not kicked out. And I think that's right. I just think from a business point of view, if teams, owners, leagues, commissioners are asking prospective investors at that level to pay billions of dollars. I mean, Rob Walton just bought the Broncos for four, six billion. If they're expecting that, they need to know they're not going to be kicked out, right? They need to know they're not going to be kicked out of the league for something that happened. And I think that's why Daniel Snyder gets support among NFL owners, because they've got skeletons in their closet. They don't want to get kicked out. So Snyder has protection. And Sarver, who's not liked by NBA, owner, NBA owners, still has protection because no one wants the precedent of someone being thrown out as owner for some bad behavior because a lot of these owners have and still have bad behavior. Now let's contrast the transparency part of it. And kudos to the NBA. They had a, a report by Wachtell Lipton. You can go read it. It's online. Wachtell Lipton has published the report online about Robert Sarver. A lot of this is already in the news, but you can look at it. As far as Dan Snyder, we all know Beth Wilkinson, the attorney, looked into it. Hundreds and hundreds of hours of interviews. No report. Maybe an oral report to the commissioner or to someone at the NFL, but whatever report is out there is stuck in a drawer in her desk somewhere and no one has seen it. It is that lack of transparency that people get upset about the NFL. And there's a huge contrast here with lack of transparency by the NFL and transparency by the NBA. Makes the NBA and Adam Silver look a much more accessible, look much more, I guess, human in the way they operate than the corporate cold NFL. But as I say this, of course, NFL revenues, NFL ratings, NFL interest dwarfs every other league, including the NBA. And maybe that's it. Maybe the NBA, NFL is too big to fail. And if they don't want to have a written report about the Daniel Snyder situation, hey, they don't have to have it. What are we going to do? Complain and then go watch the games. That's what happens. But an interesting dichotomy and comparison and contrast of the transparency by the NBA and the lack of transparency by the NFL in the exact same penalty given out, 10 million, one year uh, suspension and the reasons given by the NBA and we don't even know the reasons by the NFL. Okay, my final rant is about someone I know very well, spent 10 years of my life around. He was our star, he was our bell cow, he was the face of the franchise, Brett Favre. And a lot of people asked me to comment on this scandal in Mississippi where there are texts out there showing that 
a volleyball stadium was built potentially with allegedly with public funds for Brett Favre to help build it with uh, Southern Mississippi, where his daughter was a volleyball player. What can I say? It's not a good look. And it puts him in a very compromising situation with what's come out. It's all over national news now. I never saw this kind of um, malfeasance from Brett. You know, I saw Brett as a fun-loving Mississippi guy, a guy that was very popular, not only among the media, but among players, among the front office. Um, You know, we had some frustrations with him and retiring or not retiring. And of course, the messy divorce at the end when the team had turned the keys over to Aaron Rodgers. But I didn't see anything like this. So it is uh, disappointing to see that, you know, when I dealt on issues with Brett, the bus cook, the agent, who's also from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and his Brett's one of his closest friends, he was always the gateway. So we did a ton of contract negotiations about Brett. Uh, you know, and sometimes Brett needed money and we reworked the contract so he would get money earlier in the in the year. I didn't ask a lot of questions. It was his money. Uh, he's our superstar. We're going to do what was right for him. But again, people asking me, did I see anything like this during our tenure in Green Bay? No, I didn't see anything like this. I didn't see any, you know, blatant malfeasance, misconduct like this. No. And I came to Green Bay after the painkiller situation that was going on with Brett. So I didn't see that as well. So, you know, it is not a good look. It's something he's going to have to deal with. It's something he's out in the public now. He does serious radio. He does some things. So he's going to have to address that. And if I was representing or advising him, I would say, you know, be honest. And maybe there is extenuating circumstances going on here. Doesn't seem to be any kind of criminal investigation. This is just an embarrassment. And, uh, and again, something that is not at all a good look for someone that I was around for 10 years and was clearly the biggest star in the entire sport during that time, during a portion of that time. There's no question. He moved the product. He was our driver for revenues. He was the face of the team, as I said. So I, uh, I hope Brett is repentant about this, and we'll see where it goes. Okay, that'll do it. You got to be getting get my newsletter. I'm talking about a lot of this stuff with my seven nuggets a week, Sunday 7. Andrew-Brandt.com is where you sign up. I also do daily videos if you want to get in on that. And weekly meetings, we all gather on Wednesday nights. If you want to join the Sports Business League, go to andrew-brandt.com slash SBL. Twitter, Andrew Brandt. Reels on Instagram. I'm doing these now. Andrew Brandt 2 on Instagram. And of course, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Anything you can give is really appreciated. I hope you find this podcast unique and interesting and educational. And share it with a friend if you can. Thanks to Brian Neal, my producer. Thanks to Sam Brandt, my son and musical producer. And thanks to you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.